Let's turn our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy prophets and apostles by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul, in the preceding chapters, had been addressing the matter of the saving grace of God, which was extended to Gentiles, the Ephesian Christians in particular, he was writing to. And Paul was very thankful for this, and he was led to pray for them in consequence of the saving grace of God upon them. And verses 2 through 13 of this chapter, this is chapter 3, are generally regarded as Paul's temporary digression from that prayer in verses 14 through 21, which he, has been, which he was about to offer on behalf of the Ephesian Christians following his statement in verse 1. In fact, if you look at the very first line of verse 1 and then you go to verse 14, the suggestion there is that verses 2 through 13 is a temporary digression. Paul was about to pray and then he just goes off on this, if you want to call it tangent, but this digression was no waste of paper and ink. For at verses 1 through 13, Paul opens up the subject of what he speaks of as the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ, according to Paul in verse 6, concerns the incorporation of the Gentiles as fellow heirs, members of the same body, 
and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. That's how he puts it in verse 6. And in these verses, that is verses 2 through 13, Paul speaks at length on his role as one who, by the grace of God, was called to minister the gospel. And through the various descriptions that Paul gives of himself here in verses 2 through 13, we glean some valuable lessons as to what it means to serve the Lord in reaching the lost with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 1, Paul describes himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Verse 2, as a steward of the grace of God. And in verse 7, he is a minister of the gospel of Christ. We want to look at verse 1 this morning, Paul's designation of himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. He says in verse 1, for this reason... I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. In characterizing himself as a prisoner of Christ, Paul, of course, is alluding to his imprisonment for preaching the word of God. And no, Paul was not the first person to have been imprisoned for serving the Lord, for taking a stand for the Lord. In the New Old Testament, we have the case of Joseph, Joseph, you remember, was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife of coming onto her physically, and as a result, he was put in prison by her husband, Potiphar. We see that in Genesis chapter 39, verses 19 through 20. Joseph ended up in prison because he resolved to not sin against the Lord in giving in to her sinful suggestion. In the course of his faithful ministry, the prophet Jeremiah was also imprisoned. We read of that in Jeremiah chapter 37, 11 through 15. Later, he was cast into a cistern because he declared the word of God concerning the judgment that was going to come on the city of Jerusalem. We see that in Jeremiah chapter 38, 1 through 6. In the New Testament, John the Baptist, you recall, was imprisoned because he had confronted King Herod concerning his adulterous affair with his brother Philip's wife. Matthew chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. In Acts chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, the apostles, you'll recall, were arrested for preaching the word of God. And in respect of the apostle Paul, which we want to consider this morning, the apostle Paul, Paul was no stranger to prison. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, he speaks of having experienced, and here's his word, here are his words, far more imprisonments than his detractors who claimed to be apostles. In Acts chapter 16, he and Silas, you'll recall, had been imprisoned after having been beaten. He was thrown in jail in Philippi, on a false charge of disturbing the city. His accusers concocted this uh, account of his disturbing the city, all because he had driven from a girl, a python spirit, whom Luke tells us had brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Now, what was this particular circumstance that led Paul to be a prisoner Well, it all began in Jerusalem when the Jews from Asia 
laid hands on him. They falsely accused him of engaging in subversive anti-Jewish teachings, according to Acts chapter 21, 27 through 34. And what's more, Acts chapter 21, verse 29 says that they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Trophimus, of course, was a Gentile, and that really angered the Jews. You see, with their unbelief and with their resistance to Christ and his gospel, they were hostile to any preaching that concerned Christ much more. They were angry and they were hostile at the idea of Gentiles being incorporated with Jews as Paul had been teaching. And they deemed Paul an enemy of theirs, not only because he was a follower and preacher of the Lord Jesus, but because he was associating with Gentiles. They did not want Gentiles to have any part to do with them. They didn't want the Jews to have the Gentiles to have anything to do with them. Neither did they want Paul to preach to the Gentiles, he being a Jew. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Paul tells of their conduct in that regard. This was what got Paul in trouble with these Jews. So as a result of this incident in the temple, what happened, if you read the book of Acts, Paul was in this long, drawn-out legal hassle with the Roman authorities. They were trying, of course, to decide his case, what to do with Paul, and this, of course, took two years, in fact, way up until five years, until, of course, Paul was finally executed. When the Roman officials would send him back to Jerusalem, Paul appealed to Caesar in Rome, having heard that there was an ambush awaiting him. They were planning to kill him as he would make his way back to Rome, Acts chapter 25 and verse 3. The book of Acts then closes with Paul under house arrest. And he was under house arrest for two years in Rome, awaiting a hearing from Caesar, Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Now, at the time he wrote the Ephesian epistle, Paul had been in prison for anywhere from three to five years. Three to five years, Paul had been in prison when he was writing the Ephesian epistle. And it's against this background that Paul describes himself here in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1 as the prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of the Gentiles. He was a prison for the Gentiles on behalf of the Gentiles because his ministry for the Lord in preaching the gospel was particularly focused on the Gentiles. We see that in Galatians chapter 2 verse 8, Romans chapter 11 and verse 3. And as we said, this infuriated the Jews who maligned Paul. They had him falsely arrested. They had him falsely charged. And he was there in prison. Now, Paul makes it clear here in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 that he was the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And for Paul, this was huge. And the question is, what was the big deal about Paul describing himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ? 
Well, from his various statements regarding his imprisonment for the sake of Christ, we find certain suggestions as to what this meant to him. And we want to identify what this implied for the Apostle Paul. And I suggest to you four things that were implied in his being a prisoner of Christ. First of all, for Paul, being a prisoner of Christ spelled commitment and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. His being a prisoner of Christ signified, it spelled his commitment, his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1 how he characterizes himself not simply as, and I've been making the mistake so far, but notice I want to tell you how he actually characterizes himself. He characterizes himself not simply, not merely as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, but literally as the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Because in the Greek text, the definite article is there. He is not simply a prisoner of Christ. He is the prisoner of Christ Jesus. You say, well, what's the point of that? Well, focused and fervent in his love for and service to the Lord Jesus, Paul saw his imprisonment as a symbol of his being held captive by the one he so loved and cherished. As far as Paul was concerned, he was not simply a prisoner, but he was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sold out to this thought of being the prisoner of Christ, he prided himself in it. Here is declaration, I, Paul, a pr the prisoner of Christ Jesus. You see, we can tell what a person is committed to. We can tell what a person is devoted to by what they talk about most. What they most talk about. It may be sports. It may be their career. It may be a spouse. It may be their family. But the point is, the more often they speak about anything, you know precisely what it is they're devoted to. Now relate this to the Apostle Paul. Indeed, he again refers to himself. You'll see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Notice 4, verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of, for, or rather, for the Lord. And you'll notice that throughout his epistles, throughout his various epistles, his recurrent references to his imprisonment for Christ, his imprisonment or his chains or his bonds for Christ, by which he conveys his pride, his passion, the pride, the passion of his commitment and devotion to the Lord Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 20, he writes, the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, he links his imprisonment with what he describes as the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul says, the reason I'm here in prison is for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 13, he is pleased with the idea that, quote, it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
In Philippians chapter 1 verse 14, he's delighted by the fact that most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, he says, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 16, he interprets his imprisonment as follows. He says, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 3, he speaks of the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Once again, Philemon and verse 1, he introduces himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Philemon 9, he appeals to Philemon on behalf of his runaway slave Onesimus in his capacity as, quote, an old man and now a prisoner for Christ Jesus. And then Philemon 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul prided himself in the fact that he was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus. And in all these statements, what is Paul affirming? Simply this, that he is sold out in his commitment and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. He sold out to Christ the one whom he has lovingly, to whom he has lovingly consigned himself taken, as it were, as a captive by Christ. In the second place, for Paul, being a prisoner of Christ symbolized the closeness with which he was identified with Christ. His being the prisoner of Christ signified, it symbolized the closeness with which he was identified with Christ. We understand that it was the custom of Rome to bind with chain prisoner, prisoner to the soldier who kept, him, who kept guard of him. The chain, we are told, joined the prisoner's wrist, his right wrist, to the left wrist of the soldier. And to ensure maximum Security. A prisoner was sometimes chained to two soldiers on either side of him. This was the case, for example, with Peter in Acts chapter 12, verse 6, when he was put in prison, he was chained to two soldiers. And this was presumably the case with the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 21 and verse 23, where we are told that having been arrested, he was ordered to be bound with two chains. It may have been that he would from time to time be chained to a, to a soldier. Paul would see that. He would transfer that imagery to his relationship to Christ. And for Paul, being the prisoner of Christ meant that there was an inseparable bond between himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. At any rate, that he regards himself not simply as a prisoner of Christ, but as the prisoner of Christ calls attention to his very near and close relationship to Christ, whom he sees as having taken him 
captive. You see, Paul was so much enamored with the Lord Jesus. He was so much sold out in his commitment to the Lord Jesus that he saw himself, as it were, chained to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is suggesting here, I'm the prisoner of Christ because there's an inseparable bond. There's a chain that binds us, as it were, together. Well, for Paul, being a prisoner of Christ spelled commitment and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. It spelled the closeness of his identification with Christ. Now, here's a third thing that his being a prisoner suggests. It suggests this. It suggests the costliness of serving and following the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul, being the prisoner of Christ, signified the costliness of following and serving Christ. Needless to say, prison evokes imagery, the imagery of hardship, of life that is bitter, of life that is painful. In fact, I was sharing with someone just after Sunday school, and we were talking about um, the prison system in ancient Rome. And in ancient Rome, unlike today, prisoners were not assured three square meals. It was not the case that they had, they were guaranteed three meals. I don't know how much meals they serve in prison, but I suspect that they have at least three. Now, here's what obtained in the prison system in Rome. Prisoners, by and large, were responsible for their own keep in prison. They had to provide their own food. That's why they were so dependent on the generosity of others. And what with all the inconveniences of one's time in prison, Paul is suggesting that because of his love and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's suggesting here there's absolutely no circumstance that's so harsh, no circumstance that's so bitter that could ever deter him from enduring these rigors for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul says, I'm the prisoner of Christ, Paul is saying, look, I'm prepared for whatever hardships that serving Christ brings. In fact, listen to Paul, listen to his testimony in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24, as he delivered his farewell address to the Ephesian elders. He's leaving the Ephesian believers. He has just addressed the Ephesian elders, and here's what Paul said to them. He said this, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Listen to Paul in verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What Paul is suggesting here, my friend, is this, that serving God, being a follower of his, is not a picnic. 
Paul is suggesting here that serving the Lord Jesus is hazardous and serving the Lord Jesus could land us in situations, it could land us in places that we don't like. To Timothy, here's what he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, verse 9, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. And listen to Paul's dedication, his devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, such that he was willing to suffer hardships, even if it meant prison. Here's what he says, verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That Paul viewed himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ signified his willingness, his readiness to embrace the costliness, the tremendous sacrifice that following Christ and serving Christ entailed. All in all, he is suggesting that his identity as a follower of Christ, that his identity as a servant of Christ, was not something he took on as a religious fad. It was not a mere sentimental fantasy. What Paul is saying here is that for him, being a follower of Christ was a hazardous endeavor. It was one that entailed risk. It was one that entailed imprisonment. And it was even one that entailed, if need be, death. Say to the Apostle Paul, Paul, you made a big mistake. Paul, had you not taken up the mission to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, none of this would have ever happened. You'd never have been put in prison. And I hear Paul readily replying, you don't have an idea, you have no clue. Paul would say, you don't understand. And how do I know what Paul would say? Because I have in scripture what Paul said. <laughs> Listen to what Paul said. Would say, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7. Paul would say something like this. 1 Timothy 2 verse 7. I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. Paul would be saying, listen, it was my calling in the first place to have gone to the Gentiles. That's what God called me to. I was appointed a preacher. I was appointed an apostle to this end. I believe Paul would have said, Romans chapter 1 verse 5, through Christ I have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. I believe Paul would say something like this, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 11 and 12. I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the gospel, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, but I, for I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted 
to me. I didn't make a mistake. I was following God's plan. I was following God's will. God called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Yes, it might have infuriated the Gentiles. Yes, they falsely accused me. They maligned me. They had me thrown in prison. But here's the point. I was appointed for this very thing. So being a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ, or the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ for Paul, meant hazard. It meant the costliness of serving the Lord. It meant the costliness of living for the Lord. Well, in the fourth place, for Paul, being the prisoner of Christ spoke to the fact as to who controlled the circumstances of his life. When Paul says, I the prisoner of Christ, Paul was asserting there, he was asserting who it was that was actually in control of his life. And in expressing in this manner his pride of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's no wonder that not once, not once do we hear Paul saying that he was a prisoner of Nero, that he was a prisoner of Rome, that he was a prisoner of the state. Paul never at any time said that. Always he regarded himself how? as the prisoner of Christ Jesus. Listen, beloved, as far as Paul was concerned, as wicked as his detractors were in landing him in prison, as evil and corrupt as the legislative system of Rome may have been, none of these considerations constituted the real reason as to why he was in prison. Indeed, none of his detractors nor the officials who arrested him and threw him in prison, were, was in control of his life. None of them was in control of his life. His being in prison was all a matter of the Lord being in control of his life. So that if nothing else, Paul, as he regarded himself, was the Lord's prisoner. He was the prisoner of Christ. That is why he could, he could say to the Philippian Christians in Philippians chapter 1, 12, and 13, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, and he's talking about his imprisonment. He says, I want you to know, brothers. He's writing to these Philippian Christians. He says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for Christ. You see that? My imprisonment is not because my detractors, my persecutors, those who maligned me, had been falsely arrested, falsely charged, and ending up in prison. It was not because of the power of Nero. It was not because of the power of Rome. I was put in prison for Christ. I am Christ's prisoner. In referring to himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus, Paul, notice in this regard, clearly reflected an understanding of that truth that Paul, that our Lord Jesus conveyed to Pilate. You remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate, what Pilate said to him? Pilate said to him, 
Listen, John 19, verse, um, verse 10. Um, Pilate said to him, don't you know I have authority to release you? And don't you know that I have power to deliver you? To, to, to have, you, uh, have you executed something to that effect? What did Jesus say? He answered in John 19, 11. This is Jesus answering Pilate. You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. What a thing to say to the judge. You could have no authority over me unless it were given to you from above. Well, here's the point. That's exactly what Paul thought of himself while in prison. Paul understood himself to be the prisoner of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says here in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, my imprisonment is for Christ. And so as far as Paul was concerned, beloved, his imprisonment, we could say, was neither evidence of Nero's power, nor was it evidence of God's lack of power. It wasn't because God was short of power why Paul landed up in prison. It wasn't because God was not that powerful why he ended up in prison. But Paul ended up in prison. Why? Because God wanted him there in the providence of God. That's where Paul was to be. As Paul saw it, his imprisonment was all a matter of the providence and will of God. Indeed, at his conversion, the Lord had said to Ananias concerning him. Remember what the Lord said to Ananias concerning Paul? He said in Acts chapter 9 verse 15, He's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Here's what God said. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And understanding that all his sufferings were part of God's providence, including his imprisonment, was precisely why he, in Acts chapter 16, he along with Silas could have sung could have sung the praises of God even with their backs all torn through flogging. The Bible tells us at midnight they were singing praises to God and the prisoners were listening. Presumably they were so impressed because nobody does that in prison. Having gone through what they went through. As one commentator notes, for Paul, prison was not a time of fear and depression. Rather, Paul had reason to believe that prison was only the prelude to greater effectiveness. What then can we take away from this message this morning? Here are some abiding principles we can take away. First of all, that Paul was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ helps us understand this. That as Christians, you and I should approach our Christian life, our service for the Lord, with the understanding that we may face hostile, intimidating opposition from those who hate Christ and who hate his gospel. 
You see, you and I must have a mindset. Gone are the days when Christians were respected around town. Today you're a Christian, you're marginalized. Today you take your stand for Christ. Here's the point. There are places today where Christians, in this modern age, where Christians are being imprisoned for taking their stand on the word of God. In Canada, pastors are being arrested for preaching what the Bible says. But we need to be mindful of that, that, you know, it will reach here as well. It will reach here as well, based on the trends we are seeing in our time. And what we learn from our text this morning by Paul's statement, I'm the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the numerous references to his being in prison for Christ, his chains are for Christ, underscores the truth we need to have firmly riveted in our hearts and in our minds that we may face hostile, intimidating opposition from those who hate Christ and who hate the gospel, who hate the word of God. In such instances, there will be the temptation to be in fear of them thinking that they have the power to control our life and our circumstances. But here's the point. We learn from Paul that whatever befalls us occurs in, in the providence of God. If in the process of serving God, if in the process of faithfulness taking our stand for God, we are persecuted and are even thrown in prison at the end of the day, all of this occurs in the providence of God. Knowing that suffering for Christ is part of what it means to be a Christian and that those who persecute us cannot, they cannot hurt us or harm us except as God wills. Secondly, that Paul asserts he is the prisoner of Christ teaches us that our focus on Christ, his gospel and his glory transforms our perspective on the challenges and difficulties of Christian living and service. Paul's understanding that he was there for Christ, that he was Christ's prisoner transformed his whole, his whole attitude toward his sufferings. Paul had been through a lot by way of hardships, by way of suffering for Christ. However, notice from all the passages we looked at, the discomfort was not Paul's focus. What was Paul focusing all along, on all along? He was focusing on Christ. He was focusing on the gospel. He was focusing on the glory of Christ. Serving God, beloved. If we are going to survive the rigors of what it means to serve God, we must have the mindset. We must have the mindset that suffering is part and parcel of what it means to take our stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. What mattered to Paul was his Lord, was his fulfilling the purpose of God as regards the salvation of souls. And as such, if he was a prisoner, he was Christ's prisoner, for which 
This was for him a badge of honor, the thought of which brought him great delight.